We Saw a Thing is a movie podcast about remakes and sequels. We saw a thing and talked about it. The following conversation has been edited for brevity. I think, fuck it, let's try this, was the basis for the script of National Treasure. (laughs) I think John Turtletob (laughs) and Jerry Bruckheimer were like, yeah, you know what we need? An American Indiana Jones movie. And you know who we should get? That smoldering bastard, Nicolas Cage. These felt like propaganda films. (laughs) Didn't they? Yes, they really did. Don't they genuinely feel like America is the greatest country in the world? Even though, even though, like literally they stole all the world shit. And put it in a basement. These are if Da Vinci Code was about um, American government. (laughs) That's what these movies are. It's just, it's the exact same template, except that instead of religion, we're talking about government. And it was, it was bizarre watching these two movies to me. I'm so glad that, that they took a bit of a pivot in the second one. And it was a little bit less about government and a little bit more about like conspiracy theories and about their family specifically and how they kind of like how how that that Gates family was kind of involved in these in these mysteries in history. I liked that approach better. Can we say the book of secrets is about family? <laughs> is that too on the nose for when this episode comes out <laughs> with all the memes of Dom Toretto? In the well, world. Yeah, because there's that, but also uh, Black Widow is all about family too. So <laughs> Oh, it's all about family. Although I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do a Russian accent and make sure that <laughs> like I feel like everybody doing a Russian accent in Black Widow is just doing a Russian accent that the eighties villains did and being like, <laughs> This is how we know what Russia sounds like, instead of actually sitting with Russians. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was my girlfriend's comment too. We we're sitting there watching uh, Black Widow, and she goes, "Why wouldn't they have just hired Russian actors?" <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> no, no, that's crazy. But we're not talking about Marvel. We're talking about we're talking about Nick Cage. We might as well be talking about Marvel. This movie is insanely easy to follow. Yes, it, and, and and the fact that no one has found this treasure in all this time. When, like, one guy can follow all of the clues in the span of three days is fantastic. It's outrageous. <laughs> it's an out- They're outrageous movies. Oh, but I want to ask, like, this is crazy American propaganda outrage. Did you have a good time? I didn't have a as good a time watching them now as I did when I watched them when they were new. I remember thinking those that was a dumb fun ride and just kind of moving on with my life. And I don't think that they weren't fun watching them now, but I certainly noticed stuff now that I didn't notice on that first watch like how absolutely horribly Nick Cage talks to the only female character in the film. Like he she is dismissed as not important constantly. No, literally the script calls for the word shut up whenever she starts speaking. And she is being has been introduced to us as a character who is like 
kind of an his equal. Oh, absolutely. She's smart and capable and and knows a ton about history, just like he does. Like, that's kind of the thing that made them a, a fun romantic match. Their interactions were more fun when they were bickering, but they were less fun when he was just telling her to shut up and being dismissive. Like, he really did talk to her like she was an annoying child for most of the film. But when the two of them were actually, like, bickering about stuff or collaborating about stuff, even though they didn't like each other, that was where the fun was. And that was why I was glad that that the second movie broke them up. Oh, I was just going to say, the the Buckingham Palace scene yes. with the two of them was great. Actually is redemption for, like, all of the first movie with them. Yes, it was, it was great. That was an inspired character decision to break them apart. Because most of the fun is the two of them being a-holes to each other and, not, and being at odds. That sidekick character who, like, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Justin Bartha who is also the one guy who, like, doesn't get to do anything in the Hangover movies. <laughs> he's, he's the reason that the, that the guys can't go home is because they left him on the roof. I felt like they'd seen Transformers and wanted a Shia LaBeouf and couldn't get him, so they got this guy. But I felt like that part was written for somebody who had a little bit more charisma at being, like, kind of the dumb-dumb. I never bought him as the dum-dum. Well, but he's not a dum-dum either. He's, uh, like, really smart. Yeah. So I don't know why they didn't just let him to be smart. Like, I don't buy that actor as the dum-dum. But also, no. they don't set that character up as being a dum-dum, even though... That's his role in the story is to be comic relief. And so the whole time I was like, Shia LaBeouf would have killed this role. You know what he is? He is what Seth Green is to the Italian job. Yes. Good call. The smartest hacker in the world. He acts the Declaration of Independence. Like, it's bonkers. But yet, like, at one point he, I, I did cringe a little. When Nicolas Cage says to him, uh, when he says, what do I do with these? And he's like, we look through them. Right, yeah. And it was the glasses. And I'm like, seriously? Like, what? Seriously? He would have no friends. (laughs) He's an a-hole to everyone. You would have no friends. I'd be like, to hell with all y'all. But don't you think that, like, Tyrese in Fast and the Furious movies is that same kind of, like, character but done well done really well because he still has something to bring to the table because he's an excellent driver yeah he's like every i don't know I, i'm re-watching parks and recreation right now i don't know if you've seen that but like one of my joys in that show is how everybody is so likable and yet they all pick on the same one guy for seemingly no reason at all. Jerry's just the butt of all the jokes. He's just the guy who gets picked on. And very slowly we get to learn that Jerry's actually awesome and nobody's ever given him the time of day. And he's just waiting for retirement. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've I always love when there's that character there where where like there's a tight knit group and everybody's buddy buddy except that what you know, the one baby kid brother that everyone just likes to pick on. Nobody else can pick on my kid brother. 
brother, but I certainly can. And that's what Tyrese has become in Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. And that's kind of what I wanted this character to be in National Treasure. I wanted him to be the lovable doofus that kind of always is a mess up and everyone gets to pick on him. And But he's everybody likes having him around, so he's there. But instead, they made him a huge computer brainiac and then gave him nothing to do. <laughs> nothing at all to do. How is this conspiracy nut not know everything? How does he not know about the book of secrets? Right. Every, like everything. So dumb. It's so dumb. And then con- and then they have to give him that one moment where he knows something they don't and he gets to lord it over them, which should have, if he's the lovable dum-dum, those moments would have been amazing. But I don't know. There's something about that actor that I just don't buy in that kind of role. So I didn't enjoy him. I enjoyed watching these films again. I love, love, I said it last time. I love a treasure hunting film. Like, I love it. I don't know why. These are absolutely stupid treasure hunts. Um, But I just love going on the adventure. And... I still enjoy National Treasure. The first one is is better than the sequel. But I do love the idea of the sequel. You know, every sequel has that thing that we got to outdo the first. So in the first, they steal the Declaration of Independence. Huge. Like, it's enormous. So how do we outdo that? I'm going to kidnap the president of the United States. I think that is hilarious. But also, can we just talk for a second about how in every other heist movie, stealing the Declaration of Independence would have been the peak. It would have been your set piece at the end. They did it right at the beginning. They were like, nah, nah, we don't screw around. Immediately. Here's the immediate conclusion of our story. And and you know what? (laughs) If you're annoyed by Diane Kruger in the first one, she is doing all the right things. She is trying to protect a historical piece of history while being shushed by an asshole. Like, she is totally in the right of being like, no, I need that. I need that. I need that. That needs to come back to me call the police, all the things, because what happens to that? Like, they're so careless with that piece of history. (laughs) (laughs) Very quickly, did you get derailed in the first movie when the actor who plays Lucifer in Supernatural shows up as just some, like, FBI peon? (laughs) I did. Uh, You know, I'm in season 14 now of my Supernatural watch. Not a rewatch. I'm going through it all for the first time. It is a lot going on. Um, just like a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> um, but yes, whenever that actor who plays Lucifer pops up, I'm always now like, yeah, you're nobody but Lucifer. Oh, I do have a note here. I'm just going through my notes because, like, we watched these movies a while ago. Sure, yeah, yeah. I have a note here that says, this movie feels like it was made by an Excel sheet. (laughs) Action beats every set interval, music swells, hints at romance, explanatory American propaganda here. (laughs) I want to just quickly talk about this paint-by-numbers business because this is director John Turtletop, which I kind of like his filmography. Here's the deal. He's done The Meg, which is ridiculous fun. Cool Runnings, which a lot of people hold tender in their heart. While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock, and uh, I believe that's Bill Pullman. And that 
film came out like forever ago. And that uh, is now somewhat a cult classic. One of my personal favorites, Three Ninjas. What would happen if you took Home Alone and the Ninja Turtles and you made a movie? I love it. I love it. Uh, And then obviously he did um, another film that I really like called Disney's The Kid with Bruce Willis, which is really sappy, but I really enjoy it. Like, he's got a decent filmography. He's got some misses, Lost Vegas. Uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice was not great phenomenon. Take or leave it. But he's this kind of director who has almost always done Hollywood movies. Like, he's never kind of veered off. And they keep giving him work. I can't believe they gave him the Meg. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big summer movie. I guess if you're looking for people to do that kind of film, like that that's a short list, right? Like you've got you've got Michael Bay, you've got Jerry Brockheimer, you've got John Turneltop. They're kind of all in this like farm team together, a very similar like summer popcorn blockbuster dumb fun blow up shit dumbness. <laughs> that's what they do, right? Absolutely. So like, yeah, why not? Here's a crazy story. You do it. <laughs> and then you know, like, you're going to get something at least that's silly. And, and that's fun. It's nice to have silliness once in a while. So I, so I, like, I don't think that this is a miss on his uh, filmography at all. I think they're, like, they're solid, equal, ridiculously silly fun movies. Slap right in the middle. And I, I do enjoy them. I don't think there's a lot. I don't think there's enough of the national treasure feeling kind of films. I agree with you. I think I think the they did some really cool set design in both movies. Yes, I love the treasure room. The action is incredibly well filmed. It's easy to follow. Yeah. Everything feels exciting. Uh everything feels like it's got stakes even if it doesn't. Like the the they're incredibly well edited films. And I, and I I think they're working on a third. Maybe don't put John Voight in it anymore. Like, I feel like Helen Mirren is better. So, like, just take John Voight all the way out. A hundred million dollar budget. It made 347 million. So you make a sequel, right? Like, for sure. 130 million is the budget on number two. Worldwide, you make 459 million. How is this not a franchise? Yeah, it should be. Like, why not? Why not? They made three of these stupid Da Vinci Code movies. They could make three of these. Are you telling me that Nicolas Cage isn't coming back? He just shot a movie with a pig. He's coming back. You're telling me that Nicolas Cage doesn't want that paycheck? He, yes, yes, yes. Don't even call his agent. He just wants to be in stuff. Just write the script and assume he'll show up on day one of filming. Absolutely he will. A hundred percent he will. Because he's like, he needs a moment to be one Indiana Jones in a moment. Immediately followed by him just going absolutely crazy. Right back to Indiana Jones stoic. Even though you never believe he is Harrison Ford cool. Ever. And that's okay. These are the kind of movies I want to see Nick Cage in because the whole concept of the movie is unhinged. So just put him in. It's fine. (laughs) Well, maybe that's it. Maybe they can't figure out what they're going to steal next. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) we've already kidnapped a president and sold the Declaration of Independence. 
how do we build another film? Yeah, exactly. We we did just find the world's treasure in one place. So like, I guess there's no more treasure to find. <laughs> I, I think he should, I think we should bring some magic into this world. Sure. And and now like it's it's part national treasure, part Jumanji. Why not introduce aliens? Like send him to space. Dude, I know we've talked about this, I think, on this podcast. But UFOs are real. <laughs> Why are there not movies? Why are we not talking about this? <laughs> the Pentagon was like, hey, by the way, y'all, COVID numbers, they're they're pretty bad. Oh, and UFOs are real. And no one is talking about this. <laughs> How? Where are these anti-vaxxer conspiracy people going off about this? This is your bread and butter. The people who are checking to make sure that all the votes were appropriate still, <laughs> still from last year. <sighs> where are these nutbags going? I'm sorry. Wait, what? Aliens are real? Yeah, no. Take your votes back. What is happening up there? UFOs are real. And it may not be up there. There's footage of them diving into the ocean. Mr. Elon Musk, can we start discovering what's at the bottom of the ocean? Jeff Bezos, stop going to space. Can we go down the Mariana Trench, please? I want to find those creatures from Aquaman in the trench. I think you can find them. They probably have spaceships. Let's go get that technology. This this, this is devolved. <laughs> anyway, I think we've written National Treasure 3. Like, clearly... We, you know what we just did? We just Kingdom of the Crystal Skull National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on We Saw a Thing. I think we just watched some really, really great propaganda films about appropriating other people's culture, and it contained Nicolas Cage. How would you feel if we watched Nicolas Cage doing some other cultural appropriation? With his film Bangkok Dangerous. I mean, I don't feel good about it, but I think we should do it. <laughs> I totally think we should do it and not feel any which way about it at all. I think these are action movies. We really need to dig into them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's do it. All right. Next time, Bangkok Dangerous from 99 and then Nicolas Cage immediately buying that up and starring in the film himself. We Saw a Thing is hosted by Jay Kennedy and Chris Shapcott. Produced by Shapcuts Media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And check our show notes for links to our social media and credits. And leave a review on Apple Podcasts.